Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Utah's own Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today, we're taking a break from our regular format to sit in on the teaching ministry at Redemption Hill Church. So, get out your Bible and let's get started. New Year's is, um, is, is a great time because I think a lot of times people in the mind, they, they, they have to connect beginning points. And so the turn of a calendar year is a great time to start new habits or let go of certain things. Um, but, but really in God's economy, and I just want to reemphasize this, in God's economy, um, every day is the same. Um, it says God's mercies are new every morning. And so you don't ever have to wait um, to start over with the Lord. If you have a bad day or a bad week, guess what? You can open your eyes and you can start fresh all the time. Um, and, and that's just an amazing truth that Christians and a joy that Christians can hold on to. Um, but because it is a new year, um, you know, I, I, I pray that, that God gives you vision for the new year. I'm excited about what God's going to do. I'm personally, you know, every new year I have kind of a prayer for my own, for my own self and what I would like. And, and really what, what I have praying for this year is just a deep outpouring in my personal connection with God. Um, that nothing gets in the way, not a building, not, um, sorry to say, not a church, not people, not anything. Um, I, I feel at times over the last several years, I've been um, missing God. And, and some of you guys can relate to that. You get so swamped and so busy that you just miss the love of God, just sitting in the Father's arms and, and just letting him cherish you. Um, and so that's something that I really want to personally cultivate this year. Um, to that end, there's several things that I'm doing. One is a family. Um, you know, I've never done this before. It's scary, but I'm taking the month of June off. I'm turning my phone off, and we are going places. Um, it's a, almost sabbatical, so you ain't going to see me. Um, I love you guys, but um, that's just, you know, we already got two vacations planned, um, and I'm just going to relax. And, and so I'd encourage you find ways, you know, to... Um, to, to do something new, to enhance your walk with God. Um, if you have a Bible this morning, turn to Luke chapter 22, the last couple of weeks. Um, we've kind of broke from our series that we're doing uh, that we entitled for pastors, leaders, and everyone else. Where we're going through the, uh, the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. We'll be starting 2 Timothy here pretty quick. But I wanted to, this morning, continue um, this departure from that series for two more weeks. Um, I've been um, wanting to do something like this, but this last weekend, and I'll be honest with you, it was Friday, um, I was kind of going through social media, and I was super grieved by a lot of things that I saw that were posted by great churches. And I'm going to say that, great churches that have done a phenomenal works of God and are doing them. But I was really grieved by something that I saw, and it kind of, it kind of made me rethink um, what it means to be a servant of God. And, 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 and I'm going to share this with you, but I, I think a lot of it has been lost. I, I think this, this era of Christianity is in fact what the Bible talks about in the last days that people will be lovers of self. And, and, and it's there. And if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for under 15 years, it's all you know. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. It's really all you know. And so you've kind of grown up in this very self-centered Christianity. And, and, and I'm sorry, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you and, and, and show you something here uh, this morning. Um, over the past several years, you guys, I have seen um, the Christian church, I've seen the church become commercialized. Now, what I mean by that, you're going to see in a second. I'll share that with you. But let's just say that the byproduct of this commercialization is in part that the church has become a platform for man's agenda and personal aspirations that are cloaked as service. So people come into church, and it's not what they can give back to the Lord. It's, it's what they can get and how they can, you know, kind of set themselves up in a way where, where there's a platform that ultimately honors self. And I've seen this growing and growing over the past, you know, probably 15 or 20 years. And now it's very prevalent. And I'll be honest with you, it's in every church. It's in our church. And the reason I know this is because these personal aspirations that people have, they reside deep within a heart that the Bible says is deceptive. Do you know that? Do you know that as you sit there this morning, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is wicked and desperately so. And then it says a profound statement. And who can know it? What the Bible's saying about you and me is you sit here as a Christian as much as you're in love with the Lord. And he's saying that your heart is in some way deceived in that it can't see reality in all things. Your interactions, your situations with people, there's something that your heart is deceiving you about. Now that's pretty creepy. That's pretty scary because most of us sit, and if we know we're wrong about something, we'll at least admit it or we'll try. But what it's just saying is, listen, you don't even know your own heart and you can't see it. And you guys, when we come and we render service to God, and and when I say render service, whether it's in your marriage as a husband or a wife, whether it's in your job as an employer or as a supervisor, whether it's in your church, when we render service to God, we don't see all of the contamination that's in our heart. Only God can see it. And so here's this amazing thing that God does. When you become a Christian, he hooks his his beautiful grace and mercy to your wagon, and he starts to show you you over the course of your life. He starts to show you that heart that is so deep and so desperately dark. And he shows it to you so that you can see that it isn't what you think, right? When you first become a Christian and you start your walk with God, you have no clue as to how deep and dark the heart is. And it's weird because it actually is backward. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you realize you're a sinner. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? And you didn't know that at the beginning. You thought you were a pretty good guy or you thought you were a pretty good girl. And one of the most beautiful and most painful things, you guys, about being a Christian is that God brings the depths of what's in here to the surface. It's beautiful because nobody else can do it. Nobody else can see it. It's painful because you become 
a person that realizes I never knew it was that bad. How many of you have ever realized something about yourself that God showed you after a while and you never realized it was that bad? You've been there. This is something that God does. You guys, how many of you are familiar with the term, with the terms fast ascent, the bends, decompression sickness? Okay, not very many, a couple. These are diver terms. Okay, if you're into diving, if you're into scuba diving, you'll be familiar with this. And when a person, let's say they go diving to 40 or 50 meters and they play around there at the bottom or whatever, when they ascend from the deep up to the surface, it has to be slow. It has to be slow. In fact, they'll usually have a diver's watch on that will tell them the depth and the ascent rate to which they can go. And the reason for that is if you ascend from the deep too fast to the surface, nitrogen bubbles develop inside your body and you start to get what's called the bends or decompression sickness. If you ascend too fast, you can have enough nitrogen bubbles that develop in your body and it'll kill you. And so they have these things, these references called stopping points. And so as you're coming up from the deep, your watch will beep and it'll tell you, you need to stop here for a second. And you need to control your buoyancy and allow your body to decompress or to adapt to that depth, those surroundings. And then it'll say you can go a little bit higher and you can go a little bit higher and ultimately you end up surfacing. But those stopping points are meant for your body to adapt to the new reality or the new depth at which it is. Now, if you've seen 47 meters down, you know what can happen, right? The shark movie where you stop and all the sharks are around and around. You don't, it's, it's a creepy movie, but anyway, spare your kids from seeing it. Folks, the Bible says this, that the heart of a person is so wicked that nobody can know it. In other words, in you right now is all the raw material for the foulest and vilest of sins, even though it may not be in your mind, it can be conceived. It's all there. You are capable, I am capable of the worst things, even though we may not be able to imagine it. Put in the right circumstances, that's what the heart is capable of. In Mark 7, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees about what makes someone dirty. And here's what they said. They were upset because his followers had come in from the marketplace, touching all the things that the Gentiles touch, and their hands were dirty and they started eating. And they said, your followers are unclean. They're not following the traditions of the elders and they're not washing their hands. And so here's what Jesus said in Mark 7 in verse 18. Are you without understanding? He said, don't you get it? Whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile them, since it enters not the heart, but his stomach, and then is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. He said then to them, it is what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. For from within, out of the heart of a man, comes evil thoughts, 
sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within, out of the heart, and they defile a person. The word he uses there within is a Greek word that's esothen. It's the same word he uses when he tells his disciples, be on guard against false prophets who clothe themselves in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. It's this idea that carries depth to it. In other words, he's saying this isn't about a surface level conduct that people can see. What he's talking about is an evil, a wickedness that goes so deep beneath the surface that whatever clothes you wear, sheep's clothing, it is not necessarily indicative of what's in the deep. There's something you can't see. Folks, the problem with sin in part is it's a depth problem. It goes so far beneath the surface that nobody can really see it. Nobody knows how to fix it at all except one, and that's God. He's the only one. Jeremiah 17, God says, I, the Lord, search the heart. God is the only one that can see past the clothing. He's the only one that can see past. And he goes right into your heart and he's familiar with what is in the deepest, darkest, closed off caverns. He's familiar with my heart. He searches that. When you become a Christian, God goes diving. He goes diving into your heart. And the Holy Spirit begins to bring to the surface things that live in places that you don't even know about. You didn't even know existed. You didn't even know how bad they were. You couldn't. And the Holy Spirit brings them to the surface. Now, in all of the sins that Jesus mentions in Mark 7, you guys, in all of those, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of thoughts that create motives that go behind why we commit certain sins. Pride, lust, you know, you know um, envy, murder, all those things. In every one of those, there's all kinds of thoughts and motives that go around why we do what we do. And we can't even discern what all those things are. If when you became a Christian, God brought the lot from the depths to the surface instantly. If God showed you all of your heart, if God showed me all of my heart, you would be dead. You wouldn't be able to handle it. It would have been too much. Why? Because the discrepancy between who you thought you truly are and who God sees would be so wide. It wouldn't be nitrogen bubbles that develop in your system. It would be discouragement. It would wreck you and me. So, in his wonderful grace, in his wondrous mercy, he provides stopping points along the way. What does that mean? It means when God apprehended you, he knew all he was getting. He knew you couldn't see into that cavern. And so he started bringing things up slowly. But he didn't let it all surface at once. He stopped and he let you adapt to it. What that practically might look like is maybe early on, somebody in your Christian life brought something up to you about something they saw or their care, your character or whatever it might be. They were discipling you. And, and, and you might have heard it, or maybe you might not have, but, but it was there. And it was God letting something surface. 
And then perhaps you went to your job and, and in that same thread, you know, you had an interaction where maybe a boss or someone said the same thing and, and you could see, wow, it's, it's surfacing. God's letting you see it. And then maybe four years goes by and you end up somewhere else in the same thing. God keeps bringing the same thing up. Now, you can be a person that says, well, you know, that's everybody else is the problem. But if everybody sees the same thing, that's the mercy and grace of God that is allowing something to surface or come up and let you get used to it. Eventually, folks, that slow ascent reaches the surface. And when it does, the proverb rings true. This says, as in water, face reflects face. So the heart of man reflects the man. If you go to a puddle and you look, you can see your reflection. It's on the surface. When God brings something from the depths of the heart that nobody can see up to the surface, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. In other words, this is who you are. It's who you are. And listen, when you know who you are, repentance has a different look to it. What do I mean by that? As it's surfacing, you might say things that are, that are, that are surrounded around that sin. And, and you might have to apologize. I was wrong. I need to repent. Or I did something. I was wrong. You know, because of the things I said or the things I did. But when God brings something from the depths of the human heart up to the surface, and you see, this isn't what I do. This is who I am. It's a different repentance. You cry out to God, not because I did what I did. God, this is who I am. And I can't fix this. Repentance looks different. The mercy and the grace of God has a profound impact. It doesn't wash it all away. It means now I can see what I never saw before. And now I can offer to God something that's desperate. God, how can this be fixed? The Lord shows you. He shows me who we are over time. The cool thing is, is there are two things that are brought to the surface when God exposes the human heart. The first is, yes, the wicked heart, but also the grace of God and his willingness to forgive. Because that grace ascends at the same rate that he brings sin to the surface. He never leaves you. He lets you know you're forgiven. He lets you know you're covered. When you understand this, is happening in every person in this room, every person online, This is happening right now in you to some degree or another, whether you've walked with God for a year or whether you've walked with God for for 50 years. It's happening in you right now. God is constantly showing you. He's constantly bringing something up to the surface so you can put it on that altar that's constantly supposed to be burning. This is the Christian experience. I want you to set that aside for a second. We'll come back to it. What did I mean earlier when I said the commercialization of the church. It's important because it opposes everything the true servanthood stands for. When you commercialize something, you guys, it speaks about a process of bringing a product to market, okay? In a broader sense, it entails producing a product, marketing and distributing that product, selling that product, and grabbing a customer base, For the church to be commercialized, there first needs to be a product. Now, what am I talking about? You'll know what the product of a church is. Most churches will say our product is the gospel. This is what we promote. 
This is what we hand out. But the truth is you're going to know a product, what the product truly is based on what's marketed and what's distributed. What do I mean by that? You guys, 60 years ago, there was a very different way that the gospel was presented. It was presented in, an, in, in a way that was unmistakably clear what the product was. This weekend, I, I went searching and, and, and I found the, the most popular you know, preacher of arguably, arguably in human history. There's a 60-year gap between his prime and ours. And I thought to myself, as I watched these videos, I couldn't find one video of this person where the product wasn't the word of God, where the product wasn't people's sin, where the product wasn't repentance. You got to turn. And I thought to myself, wow, if this was modern day and I brought this into social media and I put this on Instagram as you go home and you watch the most popular preachers around, I would hear something very different today. A complete paradigm shift. I decided to take one minute video. I just want you, in a second, I want you to listen to this. I want you to imagine this in modern day Instagram and how different the product would look from what is being handed out today. And there's a reason. God sees our pornography. He sees our obscene films and he sees these new films that are coming out making fun of Jesus Christ. our lying and our cheating and our corruption that goes all the way through our society. He sees it all. And the scripture says, be sure your sin will find you out. But he remembers something else too. It's not too late. God remembers to That was in modern day Instagram. How many times did this man refer to sin and repentance? You see what the product is. The product is what is most important for you to know where you've offended God and to know that there is an expectation that you repent. And so I went and I looked at all of the most, there was 12 of them, the most popular preachers today, great people, godly people, no doubt. But the message was very different. The product was, was a personality. The product was a book. The product was, was you know, this some sort of thing that, that didn't have the gospel and God as the center. And I tried and I, I looked hard. It was highlighting a person's gifts and how they're able to communicate and how dynamic they are, which is fantastic. But the gospel, sin, repentance, it just wasn't there as much. Now, maybe somewhere in their message, but what they were putting out to the public and what they were producing was a product that had more to do with the personality or had more to do with someone's swag. What's the point? Folks, the point is that marketing of personalities and, and gifted communicators, relevant authors and, and, and celebrity status people have, listen, unbeknownst, created a new type of Christianity that you are living under now. And it's all many of you know. And it's a Christianity, folks, 
that has a platform that is very enticing to all of the things that Jesus said were wrong that are deep inside of us. And now, you guys, a lot of the church has succumbed, unbeknownst to them, to a platform where you have personal aspirations and recognition for greatness as the model for servanthood. That's what we know now. The invitation to come and serve God has a different meaning than it did back then when a servant or a slave had no rights. You didn't try to lift yourself up. You weren't looking for a platform. You weren't looking for recognition. You just served God. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's message encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace Radio is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.